Somebody that has expectations, shout amen. Come on. I remember, uh, you know, a while ago when my family and I, you know, we have family worship. Uh, that's what we do. It's one of the things that we do to attempt to galvanize um, our family and keep us connected. And so we have dinner by God's grace, you know, unless something crazy is happening. We usually have dinner um, every night together at the dinner table. And we, you know, get inventory from the boys as to how their days was and the challenges they face and give counsel and such. And that's just kind of the way that we do. For those who don't know, um, we have three children. And so even Claire, Claire, yo, Claire's like, yo, that high chair is not making it, friends. She's like, yo, I am sitting at the table too. So she'll kick and fuss and scream if she's in the high chair. And now she's at the table too. And so one of the other ways that we do so is by, um, is by having family worship. And so on Saturday mornings, the family will come together. And I'll just never forget this, this, uh, sun, this Saturday morning. We were there and we sung our songs. Gabriel, you know, picked his song, you know, we are soldiers in the army. Anybody know that? Y'all leaving me by myself. <laughs> we have to fight, although we have to. Okay, anyway. So he picked his song and we sung it and we were, you know, Father Abrahaming and going in and having a blast. <laughs> and, then, and then we ended up reading scripture and i did my best to share you know and my son noah he's the theological one he's the one that just be like asking the most the craziest questions like dad how is how is jesus in heaven and in our hearts at the same time he'll just hit you with that just after talking about you know basketball or something and so we had you know one of our deep discussions on the saturday morning we exchanged our prayer requests you know we had our time of prayer and, you know, and everybody prayed and all of this. And then I got into my time of prayer and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm so excited about it. And after prayer is done, what we do is just a part of the tradition, Jason, is that we we all embrace one another. Give everybody gives each other a kiss or a hug, you know, and things of this nature. So I remember I had just said in Jesus name, amen. And my son gave the rambunctious one. Noah sits off at the side and just watches to see what's going to happen. But Gabe jumps up to give me a hug and his knee ends up where the sun don't shine. And so right after we said amen and all the dudes, man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When that impact happens, it's not a fun thing at all, my friends. Can I just keep it 100 this morning? And so that knee came there with all of the force that it could muster. And out of my mouth was, oh, shh. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to offend y'all. I do love Jesus, but I do cuss a little. And at that moment, that word came out right after I had just said amen in front of my kids. And I'll never forget. I mean, I felt so embarrassed because, you know, the thing is that I grew up in a, you know, in a very, very, very legalistic environment, you know, that taught you um, that if you were a Christian or a follower of God, that you were going to be, if you were not perfect, you were going to be close to perfect. You didn't do stuff like that. You said stuff like that, you're going to hell. Come on. Maybe there's one or two of you that grew up in an environment like that as well, you know. And so you, there is no such thing as that type of stuff. And so I felt horrid and I felt, you know, jacked up. And it was recently that I had come into an understanding of grace. Somebody say grace. And you heard me talk about it today or, or heard us sing about it today. Grace that restores and grace that redeems and grace that releases us to worship and all of these things. It's because of grace that 
we are able to be in a place where we can encounter Christ and we can have relationship with Christ. Are you with me this morning? Trust me, I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. And so this experience, you know, it just reminded me of the fact that although I'm a Christian, I'm still human. And any witnesses this morning? And I just want you to understand the fact of the matter is that your salvation or your Christianity does not nullify your humanity. Can I just set it up this morning? Because some of us, you think that since we gave our lives to Christ, that there's now an S on our chest and that we never make mistake. And I told you, sometimes we feel like when we go to the bathroom, it smells like uh, it smells like Chanel number seven. But the fact of the matter is that no matter how saved and how sanctified you are, you still are a human. And therefore, there are things in us and there are, there are challenges in our lives and there are things that we face and there are things that come out of us that reveal that this is the case. And I just feel like there are so many people, maybe even some of you today, who have said, you know what? I, you, you sense the call of God to become a Christian. You sense God drawing you. You've been interested in Christianity. But one of the biggest hindrances is that, you know what? You're like, I'm not ready to be perfect yet. I'm not ready to not make mistakes anymore. Come on, somebody. But I want to tell you today that Christianity is not about what I do. Christianity is around what God has done. Can I preach this morning? In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Hell, let's get this party started. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. God did it. Now look at somebody else. That's good enough to shout right there. Look at somebody else. Tell them Christianity is about what God did. Come on, tell somebody else. Tell them. And so here in the text, we find this uh, a reminder about the fact that we are incapable of being righteous in and of ourselves. And that when we do so, when we attempt to do so, to be selfish, right, self-righteous individuals, uh, that we look like jackasses. Because uh, the fact is, we have no capability of being righteous in and of ourselves. And so, point number one, here we find this guy, here is Jesus tells this parable in verse 9 of Luke chapter 18. It says, he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So they were self-righteous. They trusted in themselves for righteousness. Come on. They thought that they were good or that they were made perfect or that they had some goodness in and of themselves. And this is why they were putting their trust in them. Can I give you point number one? Point number one, so you understand this, as it pertains to talking about our humanity and being transparent about such and understanding the danger that's in pride and self-righteousness. Point number one, write this down for note-takers. Self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. In fact, let me say that again. Self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. You know, when I think about security systems today, the fact of the matter is, that if you think about it, they're all security, most forms of security are simply an illusion. There is always, you lock your car doors and leave, somebody can break out the window. Come on, somebody. There is someone that always has a, an ability that is greater than your ability to secure yourself. 
This is why presidents have come and have gone and have been assassinated. Because the fact of the matter is that all security that we place in, in and of ourselves or uh, in people, it's elusive. It only is limited. Come on. And the fact of the matter is this is the case as it pertains to our righteousness. And we don't realize, we need to get to the place and understand that when we place security in ourselves, when we look for righteousness in ourselves, instead of looking to the one who paid it all on the cross we are in an elusive form of security come on that security is only going to last so long there is only one person that we can get security from that lasts and that is going to outlast ourselves and this world and it has to be built on nothing less than jesus and his righteousness And many of you all are professing to be Christians, professing to be Christians, having trusted in what Jesus did, but yet and still, you still are walking around as if you're self-righteous because many of us, we feel like we have to do something and earn this thing in order for it to be accredited to us. But I'm so glad that Jesus died for me, come on, even before I could do anything to please him. And you know what the Bible says? Can I tell you what the Bible says? Say, tell me if you want to hear realize Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 you can write it down if you wish and check it out later the Bible says the prophet Isaiah declares and says our righteousness is as filthy rags somebody say filthy rags and in context you know what type of righteousness it's talking about it's talking about period rags about menstrual cycle rags he's saying that your righteousness is that dirty there is absolutely, there is absolutely nothing that we can do that amounts to anything or that can pay a debt before God or make us right before God. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good, how much you think you have it all together. The fact is that you will never be able to amount to the requirement that God has on our lives. And I want to tell somebody who is feeling hindered from giving your life to Christ because you think you have to manufacture some form of self-righteousness in order to be able to stand in the presence of God. I'm here to tell you, baby, that it's not about what you do and it's not about what you don't do because nothing you how good is good enough. There, you, if you can't, you can't answer that question, and that's because we don't have to answer that question. Our mind is not set to conjure that or to come up or to quantify how much is needed. All we have to, the answer is Jesus. And so we have to understand that self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. You can't save yourself and your righteousness is as filthy rags. I love Romans chapter 3 verse 10 through 18. It says none is righteous. He says that no one seeks God. Mankind is completely depraved. This is why there's such wickedness in the land. This is why when your babies come out, you don't have to teach them how to disobey you. You Come on somebody. Because there is sin that has been passed down from the disobedience of our first parents Adam and Eve and it has come down through generations to everyone who is born so nobody has to teach you this and so no one is righteous none of us come into the world in the position where we have it all together in fact you know and so 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 not only this but John says in first John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 you can write that down and check it out later he says that if we say we have no sin this is the self-righteous person then we are a liar somebody say a liar And there is no truth in us. And then he goes on in verse 9 and says, But if we confess our sins... 
he is faithful and just. Can I teach some Bible today? To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when the self-righteous person is not someone that can experience salvation. And the reason why is because they're looking to themselves in order to amount to salvation. But you can't earn salvation. It's something that you get through trust in what Christ has done. And so admitting that you're a sinner is not putting you in a place where you're like, you know what, I'm a horrible person and I'm a worm and there's no hope for me. By us acknowledging that we are sinners and that we are unrighteous, we become candidates, come on, to be able to throw ourselves at the foot of the cross and receive everything that Jesus has died to pay for. So self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. And everything we try to do to try and earn our way and try to cover our way uh, or cover ourselves up, it always, it, does, it doesn't amount to anything. I remember in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7, uh, Adam and Eve, after they had just sinned, the Bible says that they went and they sold, they realized that they were naked and they decided that they were going to go and sow fig leaves together. Everybody say fig leaves. They were going to sow fig leaves together and cover themselves. So they say, you know what? We messed up. So we're going to do everything we can to try and fix this thing. But how many of you know that fig leaves can't hide you from God? Uh, and there are many of us, there are many of man, I feel this thing, I'm about to do a backflip. Uh, because see, the fact of the matter is that there are many of us that feel like uh, that we can sow uh, fig leaves together. What, what, what are those things that you think that you can do to earn God's favor? What are those things that you think you can do to earn righteousness? We, we try to sow fig leaves together through relationships. We try to sow fig leaves together through even giving. We try to sow fig leaves together through church attendance. Don't you realize that the things that you do for God still can't earn you come on salvation they still don't earn you righteousness none of those things earn us righteousness the things that we do should be the outgrowth of the fact that we have given our lives to the lord not because you're trying to earn his righteousness it's self-righteousness when you try to do things to earn salvation or you try to do things to earn your position with god you just gotta let go because it's what about what he did come on church are you with me this morning i'm believing somebody's gonna get free today you know, because you're, you know, you're like, you're, you're, you're afraid to admit, you're afraid to admit that you could, I, I, I shared that with you because I'm a pastor. Oh my gosh, pastor said a bad word. But I think that if I'm going to tell you about transparency and if I'm going to encourage you around authenticity, that I got to keep it 100 myself. And I just might have a title and a call, but I'm still a human being. And can I tell you, man, a lot of pastors and a lot of churches, it's all about trying to look spick and span. And it's all about looking that you have it together. And I'm the man of God. So you don't, you, don't you see, there has to be a D at the end now. See, we graduated from just saying man of God and woman of God. Now it's man of God. And it's woman of God. So they, they done added like a, 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 a thing on the end to make it sound more official. It's man. That's the word. Not manned. We ain't Medea, friends. And at the end of the day, we need to understand that the fact of the matter is that no matter how, how, what position you have, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a greeter at the door, there's only one way that we get righteousness. And that is through trust and faith in Jesus. So self-righteousness is an illusion. You keep putting trust in yourself, the devil's going to break in. But you put trust in Jesus. Woo! Okay, I'm going to quit. So, 
So it doesn't nullify. So salvation doesn't nullify our humanity. We still are not righteous in and of ourselves. It's still an illusion. You need to understand that you never graduate from grace. Come on, somebody needs to tweet that. You never graduate from grace. The same grace that saved you, the same grace that brought you into relationship with Christ, that got you righteous, you never graduate from that. I still need his grace because my salvation does not nullify my humanity. And so moving forward, so point number one, self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. But look at what it says here. It says, and he also told the parable, some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. They viewed others with contempt. The word contempt there in the Greek is exudeneo, exudeneo. There it is, exudeneo. And that word, it means that they are, that you, you take no account of or you utterly despise. And so these people who were self-righteous, who were prideful, they were despising. He was and so and despising others, looking at them with contempt, making no account for them, uh, basically looking at them like they're waste man. But he says in the text, two men went up into the temple. So he get, tells them this because of this. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one of the Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was one who was operating in, 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 uh, in pride and in self-righteousness. And he was looking at the tax collector with contempt so point number two just so you understand about self-righteousness self-righteousness and people devaluation go hand in hand let me say that again self-righteousness and people devaluation they're lovers let me say it that way you have one, if you have one, you're going to have the other. When people think that they are better, when people think that are put themselves in a position of ascendancy and they're looking to themselves for righteousness, consequently, they also devalue other people. Are you with me this morning? And the fact is, you, you have to understand, things like racism exist because of self-righteousness. Because there are people who feel that they are better than others. Whenever you feel like you're better than someone else, the devaluation of others also happens simultaneously. But not only this, not only this, you know, it, it makes sense because when you think about it, that person's name who you're running through the mud right now, let me, let, me make, let me bring it home a little bit more. That person who you and your girlfriends, who you're screenshotting and sending it to them, maybe I, maybe I don't hear it. Uh, it's, it's awfully quiet in here come on friends she look at she just I can't believe she did this screenshot who am I talking to this morning you know who the, the, the fact of the matter is that we that self self-righteousness and devaluation of people go hand in hand when we're individuals that think that we are better than others you know when the fact is the bible actually says in romans chapter 3 you know what it, romans chapter 12 verse 3 you know what it says man's not hot it says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought in other words, come on, yeah, man's not hot, man. You're not as hot as you think you are. And the fact is that when you get to the place where you understand that the same grace that you got, come on, is the same grace and mercy that other person has and the stuff that you're devaluing and screenshotting and talking down them about because they cussed or because they did this or they had a baby out of wedlock. Can I talk to someone? Or because they did X, Y, or Z or because they slept with this person and they then... 
Come on, somebody. A newsflash, man's not that hot. At the end of the day, the stuff that you think makes you better than other people, you need the same grace that they need in their life as well. Self-righteousness and people devaluation go hand in hand. You know, and the fact of the matter is, man, self-righteousness has amnesia. Can we talk about it? Self-righteousness has amnesia. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he makes it clear. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, he, he makes it clear. And he says in verse 9 through 11, you can write it down, check it after. He lists all of these things that block people from experiencing the kingdom. And then at the end of it, at the end of it all, he says, but such were some of you. <laughs> but you were washed. And you were clear. See, that's why I say self-righteousness has amnesia. When self-righteousness, when self-righteousness gets to the place where it feels even after it's become a Christian, even after it received the grace of God, when it was shacking, come on, when it was out there sleeping with somebody that was not its wife, when it was out there cussing folks out that kept passing, that when they cut them off in traffic, when it was out there cheating on the job and, and beating their children and abusing their children, when it was out there, such were some of you. Who am I talking to on this morning? it has amnesia because then it forgets oftentimes you can get to the place where you are so excited about where you are that you forget where God brought you from some of us man we need to, are you are your hard drive your hard drive crashed you need to go visit the spiritual geek squad and get them to resurrect your memory to remind you of where it is that God brought you from there's nothing more dangerous than a christian i feel my help right here there's nothing more dangerous than a christian that forgot where God brought them from i'm almost done i'm almost done friends so number 3 so number 2 man's not hot Nah, self-righteousness and people devaluation go hand in hand. Can I keep going? I just got two more and then I'm done. Look at the text. Look at the text. Uh, look at this guy's prayer. The Bible says uh, in verse 10 of Luke chapter 18, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers. Or even like this tax collector, my God. And so realize and understand. Can I give you number three? Here, write this down. Pride is preoccupied with the faults of others. Humility is preoccupied with its own need for God's mercy. Pick it, pick it. Pride is pre. Thank you. Pride is preoccupied with the faults of others humility is preoccupied with its own need for god's mercy so this guy look at here he's so focused about who he's not like come on somebody and even the dude who's right next to him and not only this the bible says but the tax collector the bible says that that tax collector in verse 13 standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Come on. He was so pre, the, the, the prideful, uh, Pharisee was focused and preoccupied on what was happening with other people, not realizing that he was in a need of as much mercy as the tax collector that he was looking down on. See, sometimes pride is a very sneaky sin. Because you don't even recognize it. It's like, it's like carbon, uh, carbon monoxide. It sometimes is odorless. Come on. 
And so you don't even know that it's there and it just kills. And that's why pride goes before destruction. He didn't realize that in his arrogance, he was so focused on what other people were doing and not doing it. He didn't realize, but, it, but the, the humble guy, the tax collector, he was, he was so focused on his need for God's mercy and God's grace that he didn't have time to study nobody else. See, you got to get to the place where you understand the, the, big, the greatest guard against self-righteousness is to understand and be focused on your own own need for God's grace and mercy and man I don't know about you but the fact of the matter is the more time that I think and I ponder on how much I need God's grace and Dale how much I need his mercy and how much I mess up and you know this thing doesn't bring me to a place where it just makes me feel horrible it brings me to the place where I realize I need to trust him more the fact is that you need to get to the place and we need to get to the place where we stop focusing so much on what other people are doing that we don't realize that we are dying on the inside because we're not focused on what's happening in our own house come on somebody and this is why the bible makes it clear in second corinthians 13 verses five uh five through six write it down the apostle paul encourages the corinthians he says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith this is why paul says in philippians chapter 2 verse 12 he says to work out your own salvation did he say your neighbor's salvation Did he say examine your neighbor? He says work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. You and I have got to be to the place where we do introspection and we're we're real with ourselves. Man, you know, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And the fact is, man, you know, your thing might not be my thing, but we all got a thing. This man thought he had graduated from things, but he didn't graduate from things. I don't care if you help Noah build the ark. I don't care if you were if you were uh, Moses's armor bearer when he split the Red Sea. I don't care if you were there holding the pitcher for Jesus when he turned the water into wine. The end of the day, no matter who you are or where you're from, we all have a thing and are in need of God's righteousness on our behalf. Somebody say amen. And you know, really, really and truly, the fact is that pride, write this down, pride uses the weaknesses of others to promote its strengths. It uses the weaknesses of others as a stage to promote its strengths. You know how that is? You know how people do at the job? You know, uh, boss lady, uh, I just wanted you to note the fact that Sue over there, she, you know, she's, she, she's failed more on numerous occasions to clear out the photocopier after she has photocopied. And I just want to duly note the fact that when I use the photocopier, that I clean it and I use Windex on the mirror and some paper towels to shine it. Y'all don't know anybody like that. And they use your error. They use your mistake. They use that to put you in a position. Come on, somebody. Where, they, where they're able to elevate themselves. And so, you know what? You know how we pray? We pray prideful prayers like that too. You know, oh God, I'm just so thankful. Uh, you know, we, sh- we ought to be thankful that we're not like that guy who's out there homeless on the street. We, you know, children, you should be thankful at dinner table. You should be thankful because you know there are kids over in Africa that don't have anything to eat. Prideful prayers. Come on. 
You need to pray and thank God because of just, just arrogant. And it's like, why do you make those sorts of statements? Don't, this is a prideful prayer. This is a prideful disposition. Don't use the weaknesses and the challenges of others to promote or to challenge even our children to be thankful for what they have. You need to be thankful for what you have because you just should be thankful for what you have. Not be thankful for what you have because somebody else don't have it and you're glad that you're not like them. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. I'm about to be done. Last thing, last thing here. So look at this, man. This is what he's talking about. Note this. This is an individual that is celebrating. He's saying in the text, he's saying, uh, he's, he's, he's making it clear in Luke chapter 18 on my page turn. It says, the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust. And so he's celebrating this thing. And then in verse 12, he talks about, he says, I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all, of all that I have. And so he is celebrating these things that he does that he thinks bring him to a place of righteousness. Can I give you the last point? Somebody say last one. Here's the last one. Oftentimes, the things we celebrate are our greatest weaknesses. And the things we hide are our greatest strengths. Oftentimes, the things we celebrate in pride are our greatest weaknesses. And the things we hide, therein lies our greatest strength. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? There are so many things that we do that we think bring us to a place of righteousness and self-righteousness. And what we don't understand is that when we do so, we put ourselves in a position of pride. But oftentimes the things, the thing that you think is uh, something that you ought to hide, God often requires those things in our lives to be able to display his strength despite your weakness. And so many of us, because we go to our church attendance and we do the things that we do and we go and we help you, we, we, we talk about these things and we celebrate these things because of our self-righteousness. But when those things in your life that you're embarrassed about, those things in your life that you're still here despite of, who am I talking to this morning? The stuff that should have killed you, the mistakes that you made, the stuff that you're still struggling with right now. Can I tell you, I just want to help somebody, that sometimes the testimony is not even that he brought me out. Sometimes the testimony is that he's keeping me through. I had to run off that right there because somebody thought that you can't testify of God's power because you're still dealing with the stuff that you're in. But I wonder if it's two or three people in this place that know that you should have been over by now. But the testimony oftentimes is not that God brought me out, but he's given me the grace to be able to keep me through it, to keep on going, to keep on praising, to keep on giving, to keep on helping, to keep on loving, to keep, come on somebody. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7, verses 7 and onward, the Bible says after Paul saw this great vision, the Bible says because of his surpassing greatness of revelation, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Con- uh, concerning this, I told, I asked the Lord to take it away three times. And verse 9 says, he says, God answered him, my grace. Somebody say grace is sufficient for you for power my my power is perfected in weakness oh my god he says most gladly therefore i will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of christ 
may dwell in me. It's not the areas where we have it. We think we have it all together that God can get the most glory out of because the things that we think we can do to earn righteousness or position us in a place of power, it's just an illusion of security. Come on. Paul says he would rather boast in his weaknesses, the areas of challenge because therein, that's the time when God's grace, which is his strength on our behalf, his work on our behalf, that's when God can get the most glory. He's not going to get glory if you're faking it till you make it. He's going to get glory when you trust in him and believe him to be able to give you the strength to make it through what you're facing. People aren't looking for you to be a hero. People are looking for you to point to Jesus. And I end this man thinking about David because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find, you know, talking about oftentimes the things we celebrate are, are, are the area of our weakness and, 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 and oftentimes the things that we hide are the things that God is requesting. Come on, somebody. To be used for his glory. I remember 1 Samuel in chapter 16, David. David was, uh, the, the, uh, the prophet came to, to anoint the new king of Israel. And Jesse brought forward all of his sons. Come on, somebody. He brought all of the sons that looked apart. He brought all of the sons forward that looked like they had it all together. One of these must be the people, the, one of the men that God was going to anoint to be king over Israel. It just had to be that case because they looked the part. Come on, somebody. And so he, he brought these forward. But Samuel, when Samuel went to anoint him, the Bible says that it makes it clear that none of those sons were the son. And so they thought, he, the, Jesse, the father, thought that it was one of those sons because of the way that they were that he thought and you know the fact of the matter is uh, Jewish tradition lets us know uh, that it's believed that there was some speculation about some mischief stuff type uh, sort of things happening with David and his mom David was the one who was hidden in the back come on somebody and the reason why it's believed that David was hidden in the back and he was not called on and brought forward is because of some inconsistencies surrounding his birth it's believed this is why David makes the statement that in sin that my mother conceived me come on because you know there was some question there was some speculation around his birth and so uh, his father may not have necessarily been proud of him and so this is why David is in the back tending to the sheep and he brings forward the other sons that look that they have it all together but isn't it strange the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart and so the person the thing that 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 uh, that Jesse was hiding the Bible makes it clear that that was actually the son that God was calling to be the king I don't know who I'm preaching to on this morning there's something that you may be hiding because it's not spick and span and your testimony might not be as easy going as a lot of other people but can I talk to somebody this morning to let you know that oftentimes it's the things that we are hiding that God is calling on because it's through those areas of weakness that he's able to display his strength to the world Somebody say amen. Amen. And so remember, all self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. All self-righteousness is an elusive form of security. Number two, realize that self-righteousness, that self-righteousness and people devaluation go hand in hand. And number two, number three, remember pride is preoccupied. Pride is preoccupied with the faults of others. Humility is preoccupied with its own need for God's mercy 
But not only this, remember lastly, oftentimes the things that we celebrate are our greatest weaknesses and the things that we hide are our greatest strengths. That man who was there and in that text in Luke chapter 18, who put himself in a position where he was talking about that tax collector. He thought that he was putting himself in a position where he was better than. But it turns out that the Bible says that tax collector that he was looking down on because he said, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. That individual, the Bible says he went home and he was more justified than the guy who was self-righteous. And so am I telling you, and I'm putting you in a position where I'm saying that you need to go out and you need to have a foul mouth and you need to go ahead and, uh, and curse and curse up a storm. I'm not saying that. But what I'm encouraging us today to remember is that we have to be individuals that don't look to ourselves for righteousness. But we've got to be individuals that put trust in Christ and let Christ be the one that transforms us where transformation is needed.